There's Lemieux. The center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux. Oh, my heavens. What a goal. What a move. Lemieux. Oh, baby. There's a mistake and a throw. Puck by Bridget. folks hello and how are you welcome to another episode of talking hockey the hockey talking show season three episode 12 or as we like to call it the iggy in uh, honor of maybe the best number 12 ever hard to say but jerome ginla famously wore number 12 and so we're gonna name this episode after him there were, of course, a lot of honorable mentions for number 12. A lot of great players have worn that number over the years, like Stan Schmiel or Adam Oates. Uh, don't forget about Tim Kerr or Mike Keane. Um, Yvonne Cornoyer, uh, I believe his nickname was the Roadrunner. Great nickname. Uh, Eric Stahl, where's number 12? Um, and uh, Jean Beliveau actually wore number 12 for one season with Montreal in 1952-53. He was famous for wearing number four. Um, but uh, yeah, so those are just a few number 12s. Of course, Caress of Steel teammate of ours, uh, Aaron Levere, he wears number 12 famously in the beer league circles of Winnipeg. Um, uh, I am, of course, co-host Tom. I've got with me, as always, streaking down the wing, number 46, uh, co-host Randy. And how are you today, sir? I'm doing great. And actually, I did a quick little uh, Wikipedia check. Um, number 12, Stan Smeal. Uh, I remember him being uh, the coach of the Manitoba Moose at one point in their history of of uh, transitioning from the IHL to the AHL and then eventually, um, I guess, turning into where, where did they go after that? They went to St. John's and all that stuff. But anyways, right, they I, became I remember the ice caps, I believe. Yeah. I remember Stan Smeal being in the mix there here in Winnipeg, maybe like late nineties. So yes, there you he, go. He was, um, if I recall correctly, a long time Vancouver Canuck yeah. and had, a wicked mustache. He was kind of famous for his mustache, maybe. Totally. Uh, and I also and I remember him. He was him. a no helmet guy, possibly. I, re- I remember him in my like 1987 hockey <laughs> sticker book. <laughs> and like his name stands Meal S M Y L. Yeah. I just, I, like as, as a young kid, I remember like looking at his last name being like, that's weird. Like, <laughs> Be like what the hell is, what that? is that? Yeah. <laughs> well, it just doesn't seem like there's enough letters or something, but yeah, anyways, absolutely. Stan Smeal was a legend, uh, in, you know, more aspects than one with a name yeah. with the mustache and his hockey career. That's right. And so, and, uh, another Winnipeg connection to number 12, Andy Bathgate, a famous old time player for the Rangers back in the fifties. He wore number 12 for three seasons his first three seasons in the league, then he switched to number nine, basically. But uh, yeah, local legend Andy Bathgate uh, from Winnipeg, Manitoba. And 
You know what, since we're giving local legends a shout out, how about Bill Riley? Another Winnipeg connection because he played for the Jets 1.0, but he's from just down the road from my hometown in Nova Scotia. He's from Amherst, Nova Scotia. And he was, uh, I think, maybe the second or third ever black player in the NHL. Um, one of the one of the very first. He wore number 12 just for one season, I think, 78, 79 with Washington. Otherwise, he wore a couple different numbers. But that's number 12. There's no shortage of them. And, uh, yeah, great number. Although, yeah, I think it does look best on – our aggressive steel teammate, Aaron Levere, that's for sure. And so. actually back to Iggy is the most uh, famous use of the word Iggy um, dating back to the 2010 Olympics when you heard Sid the Kid yelling that at the top of his lungs. And then very well could be one second later, the puck was in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, yeah. Iggy's had, he had a lot of great moments in his career. One of my favorite hockey players when he was, when he was going and uh, a bit of a shame that he never won a Stanley Cup. He was a longtime Calgary Flame. The closest he got with the Flames was 2004, I believe that was, when they went to the finals against Tampa and they lost in seven games. What a, what a series that was, I remember. And then just legendary uh, tilt with Vincent LeCalvier in that yeah. series. That was a good one. And, uh, and then, you know, towards the end of his career, he made a few different stops around the league with Boston. I think he was in Colorado, LA, Pittsburgh, you know, he kind of chased the, I was going to say chase the dragon, but I think that's (laughs) slang for heroin or something. I don't, I don't think Iggy's into that scene. (laughs) No, uh... no. (laughs) So, um, one real little, uh, relevant piece of Jerome McGinley news that I just heard was that he has just accepted a position to take over the, I believe it's Kelowna. That's Kamloops. Kelowna, Is it Kelowna? Yeah. The minor hockey program in Kelowna. So uh, that would be pretty cool to be like, you know, uh, even if you were just like a parent with a kid in a, in minor hockey in that league, in that, in that town, uh, I'd be like, Oh yeah. Jerome McGinn was like the, <laughs> the, uh, head dude but um yeah. and he he was actually drafted by dallas uh by the stars and he never played with them traded ever. for brett hall wasn't it really is that right that can't be right no i don't think so um because in in 96 97 when iggy played his first season with the flames a hall by then would have been yeah he was yeah maybe it was part of the joe newendike thing that sent newendike to dallas i don't know we'll have to look that up yeah um, you know what i will tell you right now he was traded uh from dallas with Corey millen to calgary for joe newendike that was on the 19th of december 1995 Nice. Actually, just a while ago, I think it was maybe last week on Hockey Night in Canada, they were running a little piece about Iggy. Mm. And I, I remember I saw like there was a few, I guess, early photos and shots of him as a flame, but he was wearing number 24. So maybe when he got there, somebody else had 12 and then yeah. uh, he was able to, you know as a rookie they just gave him an, a jersey as as they do or whatever and 24 is really not a bad one to get if you're a 
you know, the young fella. Like they could have given him. Well, they could have given him like eighty-three. Yeah, or just like <laughs> sixty-two or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No so. offense, Hemsky, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to you. We'll talk to you. We'll talk about you one of these days. But yeah, yeah uh, we should uh, crack these beers because um, sure, it's, it's been a long week of work, and I feel like I need to be hydrated. Yeah, yeah we're, we're recording here February twenty-sixth. Uh, it's Friday, happy hour. So I've got myself a, a Belgian blonde from Non Such Brewery. Uh, it is a strong beer, clocking in at seven percent. And uh, Nonsuch located in the Exchange District of Winnipeg. And um, yeah, they make, uh, their specialty is Belgian style, I would say. Um, And they have a lot of different varieties. And this blonde one is a pretty nice one. So I'm excited to get into her. What do you got, Randy? I'm going uh, off the board again. Uh, Corporate's going to send me an email (laughs) first thing Monday. Uh, But I've got a Crangerine Dream from Phillips Ooh. Brewing and Malting Company out of Victoria, British Columbia. Very I've nice. been here actually. It's a great spot. They got a lot of good beers. Um, whenever you walk into one of the local beer stores, take mm-hmm. a peek for some Phillips Brewing Co. Because there's mm-hmm. uh, they got some tasty uh, offerings. They do. They Today do. I've got um, this very bright colored Crangerine wow. Dream. I don't know why I grabbed it. I bought it. <laughs> after the ODR last night. So maybe I was just really thirsty and looking for some vitamin C. (laughs) (laughs) That was a late one at the ODR last night. So uh, for the listeners, we hit up with a a group of Caressa Steelers, hit up a local outdoor rink. Caressers. Uh, I think we we should just call ourselves Caressers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Caressers. It's uh got a nice little ring to it but um yeah it was the first time in many months that uh a lot of us had seen each other uh you know due to pandemic in person yeah yeah i guess we've had the odd uh, zoom call or whatever but um yeah definitely uh the first time since october that we've skated together uh in in any i mean there was what seven or eight of us uh, skating around last night and and so it was the first time since october that there was any number of us going and we you know we're working out the the hands getting the pa- timing right on some passes and stuff and how would you was, how would you rank earl gray we so the boys got together at earl gray community center that was my first time actually ever skating there um oh yeah. i thought it was great they got two rinks going uh, yeah but- well and we were on the small rink for the most part which is obviously not the better one the the bigger one's better but uh but uh yeah that I, I i like that rink uh i used to live right down the street from it so i i would hit it up often it's nice when they have obviously like in the pandemic here none of the indoor facilities are available so like they have a nice heated rooms to tie your skates up and stuff like that there that uh is definitely nice but uh, too bad in the end they keep the lights on all like so yeah, clearly go all night so um and a uh, beautiful night last night like the conditions were amazing um got a good sweat on had a couple cold ones with the boys and uh i don't know like it was i i would have to rank that as one of my favorite nights of the winter so far that was a, that was a good night for sure it, it's kind of prime outdoor rink season right now um you know like 
it's it's still cold enough that the ice is decent but it's like not cold enough that you're out there freezing your nards off or whatever it's like you know you're not getting frostbite on your toes or anything like that it's um it's just kind of perfect ideal conditions now uh today i think was too warm so like if but if you're going in the evenings or the nighttime when it cools down it's it's like kind of perfect if the ice isn't all chewed up from the day you know yeah. <laughs> so i'm hoping to get um uh, to go out tomorrow morning so hopefully rink people if you're listening to this <laughs> not that this is live but maybe get yourself on that ice tonight and clean it up so i can get on it in the first thing in the morning thank yeah. you <laughs> not that <laughs> much, you have anything else to do but much appreciated please. <laughs> yeah 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 well i'm definitely gonna try to make an effort in the next you know well from now until the they melt i'm gonna try and hit up the rinks uh as much as I can. I know um, some some neighborhood guys here are heading to the Lord Roberts outdoor rink later tonight. Um, and I might uh, try and join them, although it was pretty warm today and it just snowed Kinda a whole wet. bunch. So yeah. it's hard to say what the ice will be like. Well, I'm going to wait on a, a rink report from a buddy who lives right by there. So I also think that looking ahead to the weather, the forecast, we got at least another week. I think yeah. we're looking good. It was a bit of a scare there on Monday, Tuesday when we had like plus six. And I think some of the rinks took a pretty devastating blow, but um, yeah, this past week I skated at Wildwood, uh, I think on Wednesday or something. And it was great. Um, so yeah, as long as there's some good rink maintenance folks out there and a lot of these rinks have great people uh, running the ice and working on the ice. That for I sure, that one in Wolseley, it sounds like, is uh, cared for by the, the you know, very delicately cared for by some good people out there. So, yeah, might and be a I'll skate there tomorrow. Uh, for Gary, too, uh, that guy mm -hmm. that scrapes and floods every morning. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, I've kind of figured out his his routine <laughs> his schedule you just, <laughs> you're stalking the, the ice dude <laughs> it's like okay I'll, I'll be the first one there and if i show up like about 9 15 i'll be the first guy on the ice with a fresh scrape so <laughs> as long as as long as there's no setbacks at home in the morning or his yeah. car starts or doesn't start or whatever but uh, yeah but yeah hope, it looks like we got another good week and maybe uh next episode we got a few more odr stories for for the folks yeah you know, so transitioning here to talk about some, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get a quick little bit of Winnipeg Jets talk in here, but uh, a nice little transition from outdoor rinks to, to the Jets. There's a famous photo that was circulated, I don't know, like if that was in one of our WhatsApp chats, chats a, a while ago, but it was like the 1989 Jets or whatever. And they were at Borkvale, I'm pretty sure it was. And they all had like their Jets sweats on, you know? And I was like, man, th that's, those were the days, hey? That's like, the life, they, yeah. you're never going to see the Jets go into the ODR these days. A, you know, insurance reasons on their contracts, right? Like, the team would never let them, I don't think, right? Um, and B, I mean, pro athletes these days, uh, you know, they they prefer the uh, comforts of Hawaii to the outdoor rinks of Winnipeg in their spare time, I would say. So 
Yeah, that being said, so that photo I know is hanging inside the Borkvale Arena. Like I've, mm. I've seen it on the wall there. Maybe that's where I've seen it then. Yeah. But also, um, I remember this is probably like the th- third or fourth season of the Jets here in Winnipeg. And there was like a story or two going around where uh, Burmistroff was at an ODR playing hockey with a bunch of kids at, uh, yeah. on, on more than one occasion. Um, so I think, you know, like there are the, there are the, the, I don't know what you want to call them, like the classic diehards that I think still appreciate that, um, experience of playing hockey outside. Um, but for sure this season, uh, would be a no go because of COVID and having to make sure that you, they stay at home or whatever they, whatever they're up to. But, um, I remember like, I, like uh, there was maybe somebody else, like maybe Antropov or somebody that I remember right. someone saw him at an ODR too. Like the, like those, those, those are special like moments. Like for sure. If, if you're a kid you, at the rink yeah. and then all of a sudden, and then like Burmese, like just wiring pucks top corner, yeah. like, like you've never, cause like when you see a professional player um, in person, and you can it's, see what they can do even yeah. like even like my small like my s- short experience of playing hockey at the winter club with um and and Wayne Babich was part of that mix and like to see a guy like that who you know in in his time was a, a like a a solid pro but now yeah. like he's been out of the game for a while and like you know probably had a couple cold ones here and there and, <laughs> but the way that that guy can thread the needle with a pass and yeah. put it on right on your tape like and with some mustard you know and yeah. and the way that he can fire the puck and even the way that he can turn and control the puck like yeah. pro hockey players are like a whole nother level and sure you watch them on tv and it looks all cool and stuff but it's when, so different when you see it, like especially if you're skating beside the person. Yeah, when you get an appreciation for it at an up close level, it's yeah, it's, insane, it's wild. Yeah. yeah, and just see like how consistent they can be at like going top corner like ten times in a row, mm-hmm. you know, like or, yeah. or you know, like just anything like that. And that's what makes them professional is like they're they 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 can basically do anything at will. Hmm. Um, so. Yeah, like it, just imagine if you were like a 11 year old kid and you rolled up to Borkvale and, and you know, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois out there like ripping clap yeah. bombs. Like, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was going to mention there so um, about playing outdoors or whatever. Uh, so the T- Lake Tahoe experience that just happened last weekend, there was, uh, uh, what's his name, Belmar for. Uh, I was going to say the Nordiques. No, the Avalanche. Yeah, well, pretty um, much the Nordiques, though. Yeah, he had, they interviewed him and uh, another dude from the Avs. And uh, they're like, so, you know, what do you think about playing outdoors or whatever? And he's like, I've never, I've never done it. He like has never, he'd never well, skated outside before. I think he's um, from France, right? Yeah, he is. He's from yeah. France. Yeah. And, uh, and then he also hilariously thought, that the game was going to be actually on Lake Tahoe. Um, So, but he was, and he was like disappointed that, that it wasn't or whatever. Like uh, as as awesome as that would have been, well, obviously you saw the game Lake Tahoe was not frozen. 
Yeah, I don't know that it ever freezes. There was people on CDUs out there crushing Coors Light, yeah. you know, silver bullets or whatever. Um, but um, like you know, there's always been talk of like a game between Edmonton and Calgary at Lake Louise. Yeah. Um, but you'd have to think for like insurance and liability purposes, like putting i putting professional professional players on, yeah they couldn't do it right on, on the lake I don't yeah think. like you'd, i think they'd still have to like build a structure or something on the yeah. lake and if then, they did it at lake louise they could do it right beside the hotel on the lake front you know what i mean like yeah could, but it would still be on the land or something but yeah i just yeah. i couldn't see them trying to like have a professional hockey game on frozen lake ice because the, the the elements and the variables of 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 controlling the ice and everything uh, and the the quality of the ice would be way different than what the players are used to skating on like um professional ice is softer and the thickness is like i think maybe two to three inches whereas like that would be probably like a foot or two mm. um um, but, uh, yeah, anyways, it'd be cool to see, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure the logistics are, are, there's a ton, a ton of things, a ton of factors to consider. Um, that all being said, we're kind of cutting into our Winnipeg jets talk here. So we <laughs> should just maybe, uh, quickly breeze through this and then, uh, breeze through a little chat about the Montreal Canadians. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, the jets, uh, just defeated Montreal last night, six, three, they've got another game against the Habs on Saturday. Um, so this is the first time that they've seen Montreal earlier in this, uh, schedule. We were kind of looking forward to these games thinking, you know, Montreal, they came out real hot out of the gate. And so we thought, well, the jets won't really get tested here until they've got to play Montreal. And then last night's game, they, they fell behind early and then they had the old comeback, which the jets have really done a few of this year, which isn't the best way to go about your business but they've um you know they seem to have it in them to be able to go down by a couple goals and fight their way back and get a point or two in the stand in the uh standings but yeah like i i think that we're we've seen now a couple games of pld on the top line playing the left wing with shifley and wheeler and that line i think as you could well imagine has been just lighten it up like they and as they should be because that's a heck of a line and so it'll be interesting to see if they're going to keep that line together for ever or you know I think Paul Maurice was quoted as saying that he didn't want to that he would eventually move PLD to center uh, which probably would mean center on the second line and then I don't know stats and he slides to the wing maybe or Maybe Statsny goes on the third line and then Lowry down to the fourth and then that bumps Nate Thompson out. I don't know how that works, but... I think eventually they would probably swap Stasny and PLD. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like it's a good problem to have right now. Also, oh, for that, sure. that second line, like, did you watch the highlights? We weren't watching the game. Yeah, I watched we the were, highlights because yeah, we so, were... Yeah. That, the one, the Kyle Connor goal, the, the his second one, where Niku passed it up to Ehlers and then yeah. Ehlers fed Stasny and Stasny fed Connor. It was a nice goal. Great goal. Like in that, like if you think it's about a good line. A, two weeks ago when it was Stasny Ehlers cop and how well those that those three guys were playing together. Yeah. And now you got someone like Connor on that line who's better than cop. No offense, Andrew, but um, yeah. uh, Connor's well, got. 
the the offensive skills that cop doesn't have the way um, they had the lines set up last night was almost in a way kind of the ideal lines like i wouldn't really rush to move pld off that line really because like if that line's killing it and then you got a second line of stasny connor Ehlers that can kill it then you got your classic third line of lowry appleton and cop and then your veteran fourth line of lewis Nate Thompson, Matthew Perot. Great, great um, mix, yeah. Like they actually, I wouldn't say they rolled four lines last night, but I was looking at the time on ice and uh, Lewis and um, Thompson were the lowest numbers of time on ice and they were about nine minutes or so, give or take, which is about five minutes more than uh, Maurice likes to give his fourth line when it's not those guys. So, uh, and I think Perot plays power play. So that's why his minutes were higher. Um, and the, the Jets must have stayed the out of the box. That, the great thing with that, though, is Shifley played 19-32. Mm-hmm. So he's not playing 24 minutes anymore. Exactly. Exactly. So, so the, it's, the, it's a good mix now. The minutes were very spread out, uh, I thought, for the most part. Uh, and like Ehlers is only like 15, 16 minutes or something like that. Yeah, 15-20. And yeah. So the other, so the other good thing too with PLD, um, you know, not not only like you know coming into form here and and playing playing the wing on the first line, is like you got to think about what that does for the power play now. So that second power play unit now has PLD on it. So PLD, Cop, Ehlers, um, and Pionk, and then I like I I don't know who the, if they're rotating in and out of like. Lowry or whoever, yeah. Um, but uh, just giving giving Ehlers somebody else on the second power play, like with the skill that PLD has, um, I think that only bodes well for the for the power play. Yeah, it and should to, give. Sorry, should give them. I was just gonna say it should give them uh, some better looks for sure. Like yeah. And so a quick little stat here, and then let's let's get to some Montreal talk. But uh, PLD is shooting a hundred percent right now. Three, three <laughs> goals, three goals with three shots on net. That's amazing. Yeah. So how long does he keep that up for? <laughs> yeah. So he's got four games played, three goals, two assists, five points. He's a plus two, one point two five points per game, a hundred percent shooting percentage, and he's got an average time on the ice of sixteen oh seven. So looking good That's... for PLD. Uh, yeah. You know. I think Sweet we're gonna quickly, line. we're gonna quickly forget about um, those other guys. I can't. Yeah, remember. about who? What was the other dude's I name? I can't remember their names. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. a funny little story here though. Uh, last week, I saw um, Sportcheck was selling Patrick Line jerseys for like twenty four bucks or something like that. I tried to get one, but they were all sold out. Would have been uh. kind of would have been cool <laughs> to have, and they were like the Adidas ones or something like. Oh like, yeah, like man, I seventy five percent off or something. Go go to. Uh go to uh royal sports they'll have they'll have oh, yeah. some they okay. have like their stock levels are insane they've just got a, a whole warehouse of you know jet gear from eight years ago kind of yeah. thing there you go royal sports that's your one and only shout out until you <laughs> give us some free stuff <laughs> so, yeah, yeah i've co- gotten couple... a free skate sharpening there oh, once yeah. or twice actually uh, we should talk some skate sharpening on a future episode i've got a bone to pick with royal sports okay um but um <laughs> we got we got three minutes here to talk about the hab so i guess okay, first yeah. things so... first uh the the coach firing 
in yeah. in in season, which is something that we will never see here in Winnipeg. I think unless the stars and moon and sun all align perfectly. Um, yeah. No offense to Paul Maurice, but I just think that um, yeah, any coaching changes in Winnipeg will always be in the off season. But uh, what, what what was your take on seeing uh, Montreal fire their coach in the season yeah. here? I I thought you know I didn't really necessarily see it coming. Uh, I thought Claude Julian has done a pretty good job with that group over the last couple of years. Um, you know, like this year, their lineup on paper was improved, but you know, there's still, I don't think, you know, it was always kind of like, you're looking at it on paper and you're like, Oh, it should be pretty good. And, uh, I don't know, I guess the, the knock on Claude Julian was that, um, you know, his in-game adjustments and his mat lineup, um, matching, wasn't always there or whatever, but, you know, like, I think that when you look at the Canadians, the problems go a little deeper than what the coach is doing. Um, you know, Carey Price has a 880 save percentage or something like that. You know, he's, he's not uh, looking very good. He's not looking Price-esque. Um, but Dominic Ducharme, I think, uh, you know, he's a new school coach. And it seems to me that a lot of NHL teams are moving away from that old school coach guy and bringing in younger new school coaches. And this is just another example of that, you know, like you saw Toronto last year, uh, fire Babcock and get Keefe young guy, you know, it goes old school and comes the new school. Um, a lot of other teams have done it. I'm not going to pretend to list them or whatever, but I just think that Montreal, like, you know, they're coming back to reality after their hot start. And it's kind of a shame the coach had to pay the price for Price's poor play. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. And now, actually, there's a, a funny little stat or piece of info kind of floating around. When it comes to a coach being fired, it's like, uh, you know, show me a fired coach and I'll show you a goalie with a, a really low save percentage. It, just, yeah. it tends to kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, but you know that that all being said, um, did 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 the Canadians were they overachievers for the first part of the season? And that's something that we're going to get into in the second half of our show here. We're going to talk about some overachievers and underachievers, and yeah. just to kind of uh, give you a taste of an underachiever that I feel is uh, falling under that category for us is the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, a team that obviously went through a lot of changes over the off season, but, uh, in my opinion, they're still quite stacked. I, I, you know, uh, on, on, in, in, in some positions that, uh, I feel that they should be doing better. Um, all that being said, we've got a tune here to kind of split the episode in half. It comes from Vancouver based band, the smugglers, uh, former, uh, lookout records band as well. That's where I discovered them way back in the nineties. Yeah. Um, Tommy, you, uh, have, a little bit of a relationship with with their front men yeah well the yeah their lead singer grant lawrence is a uh sort of canadian broadcasting celebrity and uh i've had the pleasure of bumping into him a couple times and and uh you know shooting messages back and forth on on social media and whatnot and um yeah he's a pretty fun guy and he's a beer league goalie for a, a team out in BC, Vancouver, BC, Canada, which is, I think, how the smugglers, don't they always um, 
they, they always uh, intro themselves as the smugglers from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. It's like the, the full line or whatever. So anyway, here they are, the smugglers. Get out of my life, I'm not looking for no one, especially you. You're sexy enough for sex I can get anywhere. I know you're begging to cry and you're scratching your eyes out. I'm sick of your lies and your kind, and especially you. Especially you. Especially you, especially you. If love is an ocean, I'm lost on a river without a canoe. The Smugglers, a band that I would have discovered way back in the 90s uh, when I was huge into Lookout Records and all those East Bay punk bands like uh, Green Day started there, Operation Ivy, Mr. T Experience, Smugglers, and a bunch of others. So yeah, like I said, from Vancouver, which then leads us into our, our topic of, of something that we were chatting about at the on the edge of the ODR there last night, some teams that we feel that... Um, are maybe underachieving their potential and then uh, a few others that are maybe uh, play, playing or, or punching above their weight class right now. And I was, as I was chatting with Tommy last night, um, you know, uh, Buffalo was one that we'll get to here in a second, but uh, Vancouver too, like you, if you think about Vancouver's play last year um, in, in the bubble, and their performance throughout throughout their playoffs like that like they were a solid looking team yeah and even got, before the bubble like it went before the pandemic we were we were on this show we were yeah, saying we could roll that clip yeah roll the to. clip we were saying uh this the they Canucks were, they were are Canada's, Canada's best team yeah we totally and if you think of like with Bo Horvat, Pedersen, Brock Bezer, um you know Quinn Hughes or yeah Quinn Hughes yeah. Um, you know, just to name a, a few, um, there's there's a like a pretty good core of of talented players there. And it just seems like um the magic from last year is gone. They yeah. they they did lose Markstrom, they lost they did, but you know uh, like, Tanev, but like there's Demko a, has been playing well, Holtby has been not as consistent. Um you know, they, they, they lost Tanev, like you say, on defense, but they brought in Schmidt. Um, 
And that Schmidt's a guy that I wish Vancouver or Winnipeg would have landed. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know, I remember at the time thinking, oh, great. Vancouver is now that much better. But it's like, yeah, really, it doesn't even make a difference. The the wheels have fallen off the old bus in Vancouver, for sure. Like, uh, and and it's hard to put your finger on what it is exactly. Like their star player, Pedersen there. He's, you know, he's been good. He's been fine, but he hasn't been um he hasn't been able to carry the team if you will and like bezer is one of the lead league leaders in goals but you know that hasn't seemed to really make a huge difference they they um what's his name miller he's been okay but not very miller-esque at least not like he was last year you know and uh yeah, the, the Canucks have just kind of, you know what I think it is? I think it's those reverse retro jerseys that they've now worn like three to five games in a row. This it seems like every time work. I'm watching a Canucks highlight in the last week, they're wearing these reverse retro jerseys. They've <laughs> lost all these games. It's the jerseys. Get rid of them, boys. The ones that look like the Sprite can. Yeah, it's yeah. A Sp- <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks brought to you by Sprite. Yeah. So if you like looking at NHL.com here at the standings in the in the North Division, um, Vancouver's record is they're eight and 14 and two. Yep. So yeah. just to put I that, think they into, have the most games played in the whole league. Yeah. But to put that into perspective, imagine if the Winnipeg jets were eight and 14 right now, like yeah. all hell would be breaking loose here in Winnipeg, <laughs> right? Like it'd be, it'd be like the papers and the media and everything like, uh, like guys like us, like well, people would be it- freaking out. And it is, it is, all hell is breaking out in Vancouver for sure. Like with the media and the fans there, they're, they're, uh, they're upset. They're shocked. You know, they're, they expected more of their team and the, the Canucks, I think at this point were, you know, were, were, they're, they're almost halfway through their season. If it's a 56 game season and they've played 24 games, they're almost halfway through. And, um, you know, at this point, they're battling Ottawa for last place in the North. Yeah, and if you look at, like, how Toronto, Winnipeg, and Edmonton are starting to play right now, there's just going to be just a such a a gap starting yeah. un- unless some of these teams start turning around. Yeah. Um, which then now leads us to uh, another team that I wanted to mention as, as being an underachiever, uh-huh. and that's, that's the Buffalo Sabres. Oh yeah. Big time. <laughs> if, you, if you think back to the, to the off season when they added Taylor Hall, who, like of all places, why would Taylor Hall sign in Buffalo? Like, obviously it was the money, but you yeah, know, he must've um, had some other reasons playing with Jack Eichel, you know? Yeah. And then, so then they also added Eric Stahl. So like, if you just run down the list here, Buffalo, they've got Sam Reinhart, Jack Eichel, yeah, he's been playing good. Taylor Hall, Eric Stahl, Darlene, Rasmus Ristolainen, Curtis Lazar, Colin Miller, Dylan Cousins. We just talked about him for the World Jays. Oh, the workhorse from Whitehorse. Uh, Casey Middlestat, <laughs> the guy who couldn't even do one chin-up in in the uh, NHL uh, combine. To Cody be fair, Eakin. to be fair, chin-ups are hard. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're a professional hockey player. You should probably do do more than one. Uh, but anyways, like that's a like that's a pretty decent looking lineup. You got some and Jeff Skinner actually. I didn't even mention him yet. Kyle Kyle Oposo. Like yeah. there's there's some skill, there's some depth, there's like some character players all in there. But and they got a good coach. Yeah, and he, so here's a team now 
if you look at the standings, they're at the at the bottom of the East Division. Yeah. Seventeen games played. They're six, eight, and three. Uh, they they had a little bit of a COVID shutdown there for a while. Their coach got COVID. I think Rasmus Ristolainen still has COVID, and he's. It sounds like he's going through some very serious medical con- medical yeah. conditions with it. Um, but again, like I just thought, like adding Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl, just those two guys, like. Those are two. Those are two top line players. Cody Eakin as a sort of oh, he's bottom a th- center, yeah. but, but still, like, like, they, it looked like they had really solidified their center ice position. And so, like, if you think about Eric Stahl in Minnesota the last couple seasons, he didn't he have like forty goals one season, and still, like, he started becoming a factor again after a little bit of a plateau there in Carolina. But uh, so you add a couple of guys like that to a couple to a, a forward group that already has. Eichel and Skinner to me, I remember in the off season thinking, Oh great. Buffalo is going to finally be like awesome. Yep. I don't know like why that would really affect me that much. Like, but well, um, It's always fun to see. I, I like it when the Sabres are good. They've just been bad for so long now. Yeah. And Dude. like, yeah. I, it, and it's also as a Jets fan and when your team doesn't really make a ton of moves and then you see Buffalo make a ton of moves or whatever. Yeah. You always think the team that's going to make the most moves is going to win. Same thing with Montreal. Like, are those moves like they look good at first, and then maybe they just show that patience, you know, well, yeah, is like something it, that you sh- you should uh, you know should take some credit for. Like, and even though we rip Chevy you know, every once in a while here on the show, uh, he he knows what he's playing. He knows the cards. He knows he's what he's got. Yeah. 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 And so, he's got faith in it. So, you know, that speaks to, I guess, his uh, plan or whatever. But, but yeah, like, not just because you're shaking your roster up. I mean, it generally, it's, I think the teams that make the most moves or shake their roster up the most are teams that are trying to restructure because they're not happy with how things went. And it's like, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good. But, like, I think Buffalo's main problem the last several years has been goaltending. They just haven't had it. And this year, Linus Allmark has been not bad. Um, and then he went and got hurt yesterday or the day before or whatever it was. So like, you know, their backup Carter Hutton, his save percentage is only 889. You know, he's got a 324 goals against average. He's just not been what you need a backup to do. And it looks like he's basically going to be the starter now because Allmark is out. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's kind of tough, but like ever since Ryan Miller left Buffalo and even before Ryan Miller left Buffalo, because his last couple of years there weren't so hot either, but, you know, his he, they haven't had a goalie in a while, right? So, yeah, I think. So their, their think, classic keeper away before that would have been Dominic Hasek. And if you think about all the the glorious moments of, of Dominic, the dominator being in net for the Buffalo Sabres and, and their uh you know constant they just always seem to mean the be in the mix way back when when they were rocking those uh black silver white and red trimmed uh, <laughs> jerseys that like, yeah danny briere well, and all they, those guys back then. yeah they, they won the president's trophy like i don't know it was like 10 years ago and then i don't think they've made the playoffs yeah since. they were such a solid team way back then um yeah. i guess you can maybe attribute it to if you look at uh, the stats line here, maybe in comparison to, to our, you know, the stat line we just shared with PLD, but you got Jack Eichel with two goals and 12 assists 
in 16 games. Uh, a guy like him, he needs more than two goals in 16 games. He, and then Taylor Hall has only one goal in seven games. Yeah, that's games. so mind-boggling to me how bad those two have kind of been. And now Eichel's kind of out, or he missed at least last night's game, and he might be out longer. And, um, you know, it's mind-boggling to me how bad, not, not as bad that they've been, but like how little they've produced. And like Jack Eichel had like – a you know, if he was on a better team, he would have been in the heart trophy conversation last year, but you know, sure. like, yeah, well, he was carrying his team a lot. Like absolutely. he was a big, big part of their, any success that they had last year. So now switching yeah. over to some overachievers, um, I've got a couple on my list here and I'll, I'll just start with, um, the, the top one that I feel. And it's, it's kind of funny. Like if, if you think about my watch, uh, hockey watching, uh, habits here of late, Obviously, I'm watching a lot of the North Division, but I find myself watching a lot of the Central, which includes Florida, Tampa, Chicago, all those teams. Yeah. And I watch a lot of the West because they're playing the late, the late games of the night, so I'm also watching those ones. Yeah, I haven't really watched too much from the East. Um, I don't know. There's like that's where Buffalo is. I haven't really watched a ton. I've thrown on the odd Pittsburgh game. Yeah, I've watched some Penguins games and stuff. I watched a couple Rangers games here and there, and. But yeah, I, for um, some reason, I find myself, I, I think maybe watching Chicago quite a bit, yeah, uh, Columbus quite a bit, um, yeah. Obviously, checking in on old what's his yeah. name and his yeah, buddy yeah. Who, who's uh, his. But also, who's his I like uh, like the first team on my overachieving list, and I'm gonna put this overachieving question mark. Okay. Is, is the Florida Panthers like, yeah. are they the real deal? Like they're playing great hockey right now. Yeah. But at, at the same time, like it it's not really, you shouldn't really be surprised because they've got such a, a great group of players uh, like headlined with Barkov uh, as like their number one centerman. Oh, and then and Huberto. Then, yeah. Huberto is like tearing it up this season. And then one of my favorite defensemen in the whole NHL, which is a guy that I wish the Jets could get somehow is Aaron Ekblad. Um, well, not, there was talk in the yeah. off season when the whole line a rumor came around, it was like, well, what effect Blad and line a was traded for each other. That's the perfect deal. Kind that of would thing. Have been great, but you know, we got PLD now and yeah. we love them. But anyways, <laughs> so like I said, Florida question mark overachieving, uh, Chicago Blackhawks obviously are a team that could be overachieving right now, but with a guy like Patrick Kane, just driving, driving the ship there. Uh, we're like a internationally world talent, like he is. Um, he's got the team on his back and he's going for it. And then the other team that I had listed as potential overachievers right now, and I actually, I was actually surprised by their place in the standings lately is the Los Angeles Kings, a team that I love. I'm a huge fan of Jeff Carter and, uh, Drew Doughty. Um, but it's just, I was very surprised to see them. Uh, in third place in the West division behind Vegas and St. Louis. They've been getting some good goaltending from Cal Peterson and even Jonathan quick has sort of found his old form again. And then Anzi Kopitar, just like doing the thing where, you know, like carrying the team or whatever, but they've had some good like secondary sort of support with I follow and uh, Dustin Brown. And, you know, like it's, they're they're looking good basically they're playing good hockey their coach that um is uh what's his name uh todd mcclellan right um former sharks coach and former uh 
coached uh, the Oilers for Oilers, a minute. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, he's been around, I think, a little bit, but like he, he, his coaching style seems to be similar, I think, to uh, Alan Vino, in uh, who's coaching Philly these days. It's a very like uh, up tempo style. And the Kings, the complaint about them the last couple of years was that they were kind of a slow team or whatever. And, you know, old, slow, whatever. And you watch the Kings now and it's like, they're, they're quick, man. They're, uh, they're an up-tempo team. They move the puck quick. They're, they're on the go for sure. Like, and they got a lot of young guys. They're like, like a, a lot of their young roster is like, is like, you know, not either rookies or like not quite rookies. So they're, they're kind of, you know, just sort of, I think they will be even in a couple years better than they are now. Like they're just, they're, they're building to, they're building up again. And they've got that great veteran leadership in Kopitar and Brown and Doughty, you know, those guys who've won a couple cups, you know, they've been there, done that. And it's nice to see that the, the Kings are kind of back on the upswing. I don't so, know if, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Let's just stay with the West here for a couple more minutes and then we'll get to our final topic. But um if, if you look at the West division with Vegas, St. Louis, LA, Arizona, Minnesota, Colorado, San Jose, Anaheim, if four of those teams are going to make the playoffs, I, I would say three of those teams are going to be Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado. Does that mean LA, Arizona, and Minnesota might be battling hard for that last spot? Totally. And then that, like, that's going to be such a, such a um, push. Oh um, yeah. And I would that love did- to see LA in there because that's a team that, if they get to the show, if they get to the dance, you know, if you think about all that experience plus speed, and then like you got Jonathan quick in net and, you know, Cal Peterson, obviously playing well right now two two solid goaltenders plus guys that have been there and won cups, Dustin Brown's having a great so, season right now. Yeah, um, It's a recipe for success. Like if you think about the, the second time, I think that the Kings won the cup is that, is that when they just squeaked in as the eighth seed and they ended up winning? The uh, that was their first cup. The I first believe. time. Okay. Yeah. But so like, that's exactly, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. All you got to do is just get to the show and. and yeah. Then, yeah. That West division, happen. that West division is, is so tight. And for me, like, I really like the Minnesota wild these days. I think that they're playing, you know, some get like, like the Kings, they were looked at as old and slow, uh, defensive style, whatever. And they're just flying out there and they're playing good hockey and I like what they're doing. And, um, you know, in Colorado, we didn't mention this earlier, but to me, Colorado at the moment is one of these teams that's underachieving, but we, but like you were saying, they just got to ride it out, make the playoffs, be consistent. And then they'll, you know, like, I, I just, I think I expected a lot more of Colorado and Hey, the season's young, I guess. So we'll see, but yeah, there's yeah, still it's gonna be a, 32 games or so left. For yeah, them. it's going to be a tough uh, slog through that West division, the Honda West division. Uh, I think there's one thing we can probably say for sure, and that's that either San Jose or Anaheim are going to be at the bottom. Yeah, uh, it's looking like so. that. Anaheim just can't seem to get anything going. Yeah. Um, so with, with about five minutes left here, and uh, you know, I think if you listened to our show last week, uh, a new theme for us here as, as we uh, look to tighten things up and expand, <laughs> expand talking hockey and get it out there more. 
Um, we're going for the uh, what did we call it? The the hard the hard the hard Latang, Latang yeah, number so, fifty eight. So we got get that fifty eight minute mark. We got yeah, we're going for the fifty eight minute episodes here, including including the songs. So we've got a few few minutes left here to talk about uh, one last topic that uh, I guess is kind of uh, celebrating a little bit of an anniversary right now. That's right. So it was uh, on this day. And now I'm not, to be honest, I'm not sure if it was today or yesterday, but on this day in 1977, uh, the movie Slapshot was released in theaters and it has, it has like sustained its awesomeness. Like I watched it a couple months ago and actually watched it with uh, my wife and it was her first time seeing it. And, you know, she liked it. Uh, I don't know if she liked it as much as I do, but like I can watch it. I've seen it. I don't know how many times. And it's one of those movies, man. It's just it's the best hockey movie ever made ever. Pretty much. No one's ever going to make it uh, make a better one. And if you think about think back to what was it? Season one, maybe or or Mm -hmm. season two actually we were recording right in this room where i am right now we did a a, the the top hockey movies and that's right i think uh, well it was number one for me it was number one for you i think it was the consensus number one yeah yeah okay so and and our our teammate tim was also here and i remember he brought a whole binder full of facts and (laughs) so much research (laughs) Uh, but you know that's what you got to do you got to come prepared to the show um but yeah slap shot if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and watch it. Um, if you're more of a new school hockey movie fan and you're more of the, of the goon uh, era, um, do yourself a favor and don't say goons, your favorite hockey movie <laughs> until you've seen Slapshot and yeah. until you really understand it, because it's based off of true stories that happened. Um, kind of in, peeled the curtain back on uh, the pro hockey life, you know. Yeah, in the, from the WHA, actually, yeah. some WHA stories were converted to to be part of the storyline in in the uh, in the movie there, and uh, just there's so many classic moments. Um, uh, you know, Danny Lemieux, the goalie, the Hanson brothers. Obviously, even if you haven't seen the movie, I guarantee you've seen you know, the Hanson, the, the Hanson Bros. Yeah, um, I wonder how many times have I been a Hanson brother for Halloween? Uh, probably <laughs> like five. <laughs> Do you have a Chiefs jersey? No, I don't. So oh. I'm never like branded Hanson brother. I'm just like okay. hockey player, but basically, nice. I'm a Hanson brother. Okay, so we got roughly 30 seconds here left on the show. Um, again, do yourself a favor, find yourself a copy of Slapshot, even yeah. if, if it's on VHS um, and like experience it how it was meant to be experienced. Who owns um, the theme? Yeah, who owns the Chiefs? Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyways, do yourself a favor, watch that movie. Uh, going out this week, we got, uh, we got a second tune here for the show. And uh, just tell us why we're adding this song, Tommy. Well, it's just that this one's called Saturday Night by the Sheepdogs. And, uh, you know, great Canadian band. And Saturday nights are for hockey. And if you've ever watched Hockey Night in Canada, you know, that's the Saturday night right there. And there's so many Saturday night songs. So this one's not explicitly, like, about hockey or anything. But it's just such a... Such a rocker and uh, feel good vibes and just gets you pumped up for Saturday night hockey. So, uh, yeah, keep your stick on the ice. Quick shifts. Get the pucks deep. Here we go now. Let's go. I'm hanging on to my mind now, baby. 
Missä 